You're listening to the Jobs and Cheddar Podcast. Welcome to episode three of the Jobs and Cheddar Podcast. I'm Jonah Jobin. As always, to my left is Jordan Chesky. Chad, how are you today? I'm doing great, Jobs. How are you? Very good. Uh, we're pretty excited about episode three. I'd say I know I am. I'm assuming you are. Yeah, it's, I'd say it's a, our bigger, biggest episode yet. It's going to be a big episode. We actually have our first interview coming up in a little bit here with uh, two-time Olympian Emma Newton. Uh, luckily, she's a classmate of ours. We reached out to her and she was happy to do it. So we're very excited about that. Uh, Chen? Yeah, she uh, she's from Finland. She made uh, the long journey here to uh, eventually start playing in North Dakota, but then uh, ended up here in Mercyhurst. But uh, as Job said, yeah, we'll get into that more, you know, with some uh, good questions we have for her. Yeah, so uh, she's going to be joining us a little bit later. Uh, for now, we're going to stick with your usual programming here. We're going to ra- uh, recap round one, and then we're going to head into our uh, round two predictions as round two is just a couple games in. Uh, round one, we've, we, you know, we've talked about it a lot the first couple episodes here. What's been your, what was, let me ask you this, what was your biggest surprise uh, for round one? Well, first, I'm going to start off by saying, round, I don't know about you, but I think round one was a little... Disappointed? Disappo- yeah. I'm okay. with you. A little 100%. disappointed. We only had one, one uh, seven-game series. Which was, I, I couldn't believe that, based on, like, we all both been watching hockey for a long time. I, I don't really remember the last time that was. I mean, maybe, what, you just know, one game, one game one seven, game seven in round one. It was crazy. Yeah, I was used to, I mean, not even as many overtimes as I'd like. As, as a fan, I want to see every game go to overtime, and mm-hmm. I want to see every series go to Game 7. Um, unless the Buffalo Sabres are playing, that's a different story. You want them sweeping every that's, round, 16-0. So it's an, just so it'd be easier, but I mean, that, yeah. we're a long ways away from talking about them in the playoffs. They are. Pretty much at the opposite end. Absolutely, yeah, couldn't get as, as, as more opposite as that is, but we'll, again, we'll get into that in the future of this episode as well. Yeah, um, no, for me, I, I thought I'm totally with you, you know, everyone, you know, you hear it, overtime... Hockey is free hockey. It's extra hockey. It's stuff that you know hockey fans love. Um, so I was pretty surprised at how few overtime games there were. The other thing that was really surprising to me in round one was the two sweeps and just how different they were. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, I know, before we started today, but how the Vegas LA sweep was very untraditional. You know, Vegas only scored seven goals in the series. Goal-attending duel. Marc-Andre Fleury is world-class, as was Jonathan Quick in that series. And I thought L.A. probably deserved a better fate than a sweep, but Vegas was just that much better. Yeah, yeah it's it's tough to see. Like you said, Jonathan Quick, he had a great, very good very good series all around. And, yeah, it was a very weird, low-scoring sweep. But uh, do we say that, that Vegas dominated? I mean, they swept. Does that, does that I, mean, I mean they I, dominated? I think, I think they definitely had the upper hand in games. I thought they definitely rode their home crowd in, in games one and two. Yeah, yeah. Then to go into L.A. as a first-year first year team in the NHL and, and beat a team out on home ice who's won two cups this decade, that, that kind of shocked me. And I'm, I'm definitely a Vegas believer now. Um, I think the whole, I think the whole country, all hockey fans, you know, the, all of really, the world, the whole world, yeah, are really buying in on this Vegas team. It's it's awesome to see. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We talked a lot about. Uh, I will say we both did pretty well in our predictions. Um, I know that Vegas was the only team I had wrong. They were my one series that I was uh, I was off on, uh, which was tough because I had I had LA in, in seven, mm-hmm. and uh, they. 
They just pretty much trounced me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, uh, they heard you talking about it. They pretty much that. denied me. Uh, yeah, again, I guess I probably motivated them. We know we have a mm-hmm. lot, of, lot of listeners, so mm-hmm. probably motivated Mark andre Fleury. He's like, how dare these guys? <laughs> just like, you know, we motivated McDavid a couple weeks ago with the R. Ross. Um, so that was interesting for me. The other, the other sweep was, you want to talk about domination. I don't know what you, I thought, you know, a very, like, well, sorry, I should say a veteran Ducks team, like, well-experienced Ducks team. Been there before. Just got manhandled yeah, by the yeah. San Jose Sharks. They were mm-hmm. a step behind every game. Yeah, yeah, like as you said, wasn't even a very good best series to watch. wasn't wasn't I mean, it could have been a hell of a lot better, I think. Um, and San Jose, they just kind of yeah, they always had the upper hand. Um, I just thought they they looked faster. I thought that they, every game they were physically faster than Anaheim. They out like and I just thought they outchanced and they outplayed them. Uh, I, I that series, I, I predicted that to be a way longer series than it was. But you know, the thing for me is Anaheim. It's funny. I mean. I don't watch them as much as I would maybe like to, like being from the East Coast. You don't see all as many as the late of the you know the West Coast late night games, I should say. But I was really surprised with some of the regression. I mean, I know Kessler had a really tough year this year, was battling a lot of injuries, but Corey Perry has uh, he's he's gone pretty downhill the last couple of years. I mean, it's crazy to say, but this guy won the heart a couple of years ago, and now they're talking about a possible buyout for him in the summer. Oh, that I didn't even know about. Yeah, they're talking about because he's makes he's making making eight point six two five, I believe. And yeah, if you're not, I mean, that's he's not just not producing that clip yeah. anymore. So a ton, of, ton of money to be playing or uh, to be paying someone that's not getting the job done. But, yeah. Um, also, with that series is, um, I guess if you want to talk about upsets, it was the, it was the only technical upset. If you're talking about mm-hmm. another reason why the I thought the uh, you know Ramon was a little disappointing. Yes. I guess technically, based on seedings, it was the only upset three beating a two. Yeah, um, I mean, you don't know if you'd call it. It wasn't a heavy upset, yeah, but no, yeah. agreed. I mean, you didn't see any shots. And I use that word loosely. It's just because, mm-hmm. you know. No, I mean, as you know, I think nothing really got close. I mean, Colorado forces six games on Nashville, which to me, I thought that's a pretty big win for them, yeah. especially with how bad they were two years ago. You know, Nathan McKinnon's been nominated as a heart finalist, which we discussed at length. So that makes sense. Um, I thought he played well in that series. I thought that top line of him, Landis Kong, and Ranton, and really gave Nashville a bit of a run. I mean, it's tough to win when, you know, your, your first two goalies are out. And the fact they pushed Nashville to six, I think, says a lot about the Avalanche. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, uh, what, would, what, would be your, what was your favorite series to watch? Uh, I think, you know, you know, I'm not – Toronto's not my, my number one team, but, you know, I am from there, and it was really fun to see kind of them push back against yeah. Boston. It was the only seven-game series. We, we talked about that a, a lot. Um, I, I liked that series. I thought it was good. I thought it was fast-paced. The part that, for me, that was crazy and was very interesting about that series – was just how dynamic the Bruins' top line was in their wins, and then how they were just completely irrelevant. Yeah. Minus, I think, sixteen or something yeah. in in the in the losses with with no points. It, it was crazy to see how in one series they were like so good in some games, atrocious in others. But then you know they four games they were on, and that's all they needed. That that brings me to uh, my, my next point is yeah, I guess that definitely raises some questions with can Boston now continue to. Um, play well in the second round. Right. Um, I know. I think they have the series lead one nothing right now. They do, and, and we they won six two, and that line was huge last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. So then again, again, but if they turn off, then right. You know what, what what happens then? For sure, I think that you know that first getting that first win on the road in Tampa and having Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marsh on that line be dominant. Mm-hmm. That I think is a huge help to them moving forward, especially now that they can now swing the home ice back in their favor. But no, I thought the series was great. Um, the disappointing part of that series for me, and listen, there's a ton of pressure. I mean, you and I have talked about this, you know, and you know the same thing. is being, you know, playing in a market like Toronto, playing in a market like Buffalo, as you know. Tons of pressure from a very, very passionate fan base. He's very young still, so, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. But uh, Austin Matthews was pretty quiet in this series. Yeah, two points, I believe, right? Two points in seven games. And that, to me, was very surprising because that's a guy who, you know, you talk about him being next, one of the next, like, big stars in this league. 
And when you compare him to some of the guys he's been compared to, like, you know, when you look at the Crosbys, the Malkins, those kind of guys he's been compared to or, you know, other generational stars, mm -hmm. they didn't have much of an easing period in the playoffs. They were on, and they once their teams were in the playoffs, they were moving. Yeah, that's kind of the only reason why I picked Toronto. Again, in episode one, I kind of um, talked about why I thought they would win, and I was thought like the youth was going to help them out there. Right, you mentioned that a lot. And yeah, I thought that they were going to be you know extra fired up. Maybe he just got a little nervous. Again, that's him just showing his youth, I guess, is maybe um, you know only putting up two points. So I mean, it was it was definitely a shocker to not necessarily see that it was game seven for that series to go to game seven, but for him to only put up two points was was definitely a shocker. Agreed. Um, so I, guess, I think anything else in round one, or should we hop in round two here? Um, you want to talk? Pit Philly or no? Yeah, that was a pretty interesting series. I mean, I thought that was... Uh, that'd be, I think that would have been my... That one or the Toronto series would have been my favorite yeah, series to watch. Yeah. As, as weird as it started off, um, I'm glad it at least went uh, six games. But, I mean, just Pittsburgh is it's just Pittsburgh. Leading. Well, and I think, you know, what Philly's Achilles heel has been for the last... <clears throat> I don't even know how many years it bit them again. Is their goaltending? I mean, you're playing guy like Brian Elliott lets in five one night, lets in one the next. They don't know who they're going with. They put Neuvirth in for a couple games. You have to have consistency to win the Stanley Cup in this league. You have to have a consistent goaltender. And I mean, you know, the other and I think you, you see that across all sorts of years. Now, if Washington ends up going on a run after Holpe not starting the playoffs, yeah. maybe I'm proven wrong there. But mm -hmm. most of the time, you need to know who your number one is, and you ride him the whole way. Philly didn't have that for me. I mean. That, that, I feel like that just – it also kind of sets a tone in the locker room. It does. Like, when, you know, all systems are a go and you got everything running smoothly, mm -hmm. uh, that includes just having the goalie. It's like step one, who's going to be starting goalie for every game. So having the starting goalie is, is is huge, especially with, you know, easing the mind and just that's one less thing to worry about. And then, you know. No, no, exactly. And I think, too, especially when you play and when you're playing, sorry, the offense of the Pittsburgh Penguins – you need the consistent goaltending. Mm -hmm. You need to know this guy is going to be there when you're coming. When you're facing Malkin, Crosby, Kessel, uh, and and then all their their depth. I mean, their depth continues to be able to score. Jake Gensel is just a weapon in the playoffs. I think he's leading all major categories. Yeah, he's just just and a guy beast. right here. Seventeen, leading in points, leading in goals, leading in plus minus, and second in assists. He's just a beast. Yeah. The kid, the kid just knows how to turn it on in in the playoffs. So yeah, I mean, all those guys coming in on you. Philly might might have been the have, it might have been the most important of all the teams in the playoffs for Philly to have goaltending and they didn't. So that series was interesting to me. Um, I will say too a big shout out to the to the Flyers and some of the injuries these guys played through. Sean Couturier torn MCL, hit five points in a losing effort in Game Six. Did you hear Wayne? What, what was going on with Wayne Simmons? Wayne Simmons had he had too many. I think I read something. He had too many injuries. He didn't even remember them all. He had a torn groin, yeah, fractured ankle. Uh, something happened with his jaw. I don't know if it was broken or fractured, but something major with his jaw. And then something, another, something with his arm or something. I think a thumb even. Four major injuries. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny. that I, We could rant on this for a long time. But you hear about that. And then I read today uh, online that LeBron dealt with cramps during Game 7 today. What, like, what a joke in comparison. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's a, that's a whole other topic. I saw, I saw a quick little clip of LeBron James getting almost poked in, in the head, not even in the eye. Oh, just, the big and then he, band And he went down, and he's like this big ordeal, and it's just... Yeah, and then we got guys with eight, nine different injuries, and then they just, and they're, and they're playing through, putting up point yeah. after point. It's it's not even comparable to me. Um, yeah. So, anyways, you want to hop into round two here? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. So as of right now, we have obviously there's uh 
round two is underway here. Right now, currently, uh, Winnipeg's up on Nashville, one nothing. Uh, the Sharks and Vegas are tied at one apiece. The Pens uh, and Caps are also tied at one apiece after Washington tied it up this afternoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, Boston is currently up on Tampa Bay, uh, one nothing. So, who do you like in all these series, and have you been surprised at anything uh, as these series have got underway? Um, I, I guess it's a little too early to say if I'm surprised. If mm-hmm. anything, um, I think all these teams are good. Um, yeah, I, I've said I thought it was pretty surprising that Winnipeg went into Nashville and beat them at home in Game One. And when they, they, I think they had 19 shots on net, and they, and, and they scored four goals. Yeah, and Hellebuck, I think, had 40, 44 or 46 saves. Yeah, and and if... if Rene know, looked if, a little scary in that. Yeah, well, yeah, and then if, if Winnipeg actually, you know, starts shooting even like more than like they normally do, um, then, man, that series could be a lot to... I, I had Nashville win that one, um, but after that, that they only had 19 shots on net. They still managed to put in four goals. Yeah, no, for so me... If they, get, if they get the offensive going, going on all cylinders, like, that could be... That could be a surprise in, in round two. I agree. I mean, you and I both have them as our cup picks. Uh, we discussed that at length in the uh, other episodes so far. Yeah, Rene to me looked very uh, pedestrian. He looked very human uh, after, you know, a pretty pretty strong season. Uh, and, you know, to be honest, he looked a little... I wasn't I wasn't filled with confidence with Rene in round one against Colorado. I mean, they scored early on him every game. It wasn't like he was that prepared. And, you know, I know he's an unbelievable goalie. I think that he... I'm hoping he will rebound because, yeah. you know, a lot of my bracket depends on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I was very surprised with that. But uh, other than that, I think you know everything's evened out. I think Caps Pens being one one is that's kind of what I what I expected. Uh, Vegas with its first loss last night uh, in double OT. But you know when you get to overtime, anything can happen. Nice finish there by Logan Couture. Um, and then the Boston series two, Boston Tampa series. Sorry, that one I watched. You know the majority of that game. And the first two periods was so back and forth. It was a great game. And then it was very surprising for me to see Boston open it up that much in the third and then win 6-2. But again, that that top line of Pasternak, Bergeron, and uh, Marchand has been unbelievable. Yeah, when they get going, it's, it's, it's really hard to stop them. Yeah. Do you think uh, Evander Kane coming back is going to have a, a big impact on the on the series with uh, Vegas and San Jose? Yeah, you know, I think it should. I mean, they won with uh, without him last night, which which was good. But, you know, he's been, he's been doing well since he's been there. He's been scoring well. And... You know, especially with how tight the goaltending, I think, is going to continue to be in that series. I mean, mm-hmm. listen, Jones got lit up in round one uh, yeah. in game one. So I think so. I should say I think the series goaltending will tighten up a lot as the series goes on. You know, having an offensive weapon like Kane's going to be big. Yeah, I think I think the type of penalty he took and the t- you know the suspension that he got, I think it kind of adds up. Yeah, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Kane, um, and I think that was kind of you know a very good example of what he can be. Sometimes um, they were losing five nothing, I believe it was when it happened. I think it was just uh, tempers were flaring. He was frustrated, and he kind of just he, he was way after the play, and just he, he didn't have to do it. He didn't no, have to but do a it. bit of a donkey move, but Absolutely. he's, he's kind of known for that, so we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so who do you like in each of these series? So if we go, we'll start with okay, we'll go Caps Pens. I think it, it's, it's I'm still gonna ride with with the Pens here. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first game, they were down by two. And then it's just Pittsburgh. They can they can score goals in bunches, mm-hmm. um, heavy offense, uh, and I just think that what makes them good, and what makes them great, I'm sorry, is facing adversity. All these teams in the playoffs are good, especially when you move on in later rounds. They're all good, but what separates a good team from a great team is how you handle adversity. What do you do when you're down? You know, can you hold leads and and all and all that stuff. I think that's what separates a good team from a great team, and I think the Pens are are just great. I think they're going to win the. I think they're going to win the series. I think it's going to be a better series than I thought. I kind of, I kind of thought yeah. Washington was going to maybe only 
I was kind of thinking it was a five, five, six game. It might be a game seven. So, seven. yeah, listen, I, I totally agree. And for me, the big debate in this series is, is Pittsburgh's experience going to carry them once again? They have all the confidence in the world against against Washington. Mm-hmm. But, my, you know, there's, there's something. I, I go with hunches sometimes. And there's a part of me that says you know, Pittsburgh has played so much hockey. Malkin is currently injured. Mm-hmm. I think him coming back or not in this series could, could be the deciding factor with what a world-class player he is. And I'm a big law of averages guy. You okay. know, Pittsburgh has Washington's number. They have, and they may continue to. This series for me is so hard to call. But I think with the way Washington won round one, and that's maybe one thing we didn't touch on as much when we were talking about round one, they go down 2 nothing, losing both the first two games to Columbus on home ice. Mm-hmm. They go into Columbus. Ovechkin guarantees coming back to Washington 2-2, which they do. And he does his part in that series to get them back here. Bold prediction, uh, it's it's listen, two great teams, caps and seven. My prediction caps is caps and seven. And seven. Uh, yeah, I think that watching the first two games, listen, it could go really either way, but I think that there has to be a point. There's going to be a point where this matchup has to go the other way, just based on law of averages. And I think Braden Holpe has been very hot since he's came back, mm-hmm. very hot since he took the net back over from Grubauer. So I have caps and seven. And, and bringing up Ovechkin again, real quick. Yes, I'm. You, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of an Ovechkin hater. I do know that he's been playing well. So his job he's is been playing there. well. His job is to go out there and score goals all around. You know, he's got he's got some question marks, but his job is to go out there and score goals. And right now, what is this one? Two, fifth in goals with eleven or, uh, with points with eleven, seven goals overall, tied for first in the playoffs. So he's doing well. I think he might have two today. He had, he had one, know, today, one today, two. but he, op- he yeah he, he scores one yesterday or he scores one today. They do two days ago in game one, mm-hmm. and then he scores again in game two. I mean. You know, it's funny. When you look at the, the the career matchup. People make a lot about Ovechkin not performing in the playoffs. You know, it's it's a team game. Yeah. The best team usually wins the Stanley Cup. Typically, mm-hmm. they always do. Really, it's how it's the hardest trophy to win because it's such a team effort. So for me, I think it's kind of tough to to say, oh, he hasn't performed. He he has. He's he's had. You know, everyone has ups and downs like over the course of a career in their playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's been a consistently pretty strong player in the playoffs. Have you seen? Did you see what they were doing to him today on the on the power play? They literally had a guy. Oh yeah. Well, obviously, everyone knows where um, Ovechkin loves to sit on the power play, and, and, they, and you've spoken about this before. Yeah. So his, his his ability to change the game, even when he's not doesn't have the puck or, or whatever. It's crazy. He's, he technically was eliminated in a couple of power plays that I've seen. I've seen Washington on. They literally had a guy just essentially stick on stick, right? And just basically not letting Ovechkin have any space at all. So they're essentially they were making it a, a four on three power play, right? Which I think I think is was a pretty good call. No, it's good. I mean, when you have that guy, like so much of that offense. Runs and off that power plays offense runs through him. You eliminate him, you take your chances in the four and three. And it's funny to say that because the goal he did score today, uh, the first goal for the Caps today, was off the rush, mm-hmm. cannon off the rush, pass Murray. Yeah, that was just a, a just a bullet. That was a rip. Classic Ovechkin goal. So yeah, I think we'll see. That series is going to be very fun to watch. I'm really hoping it goes and kind of has the uh, the juice that we're we're hoping for, and it'll go full seven games. Um, so let's stick in the East here. Uh, it's one nothing for Boston right now. Who do you have in Boston, Tampa? This one, I. This one's tough. A, little, a little tough, it's a tough to me. one, and and I would have said, you know, if if you asked me in the beginning of round one, do I think Boston can do well in the series? I think yeah, I thought they were going to absolutely dominate Toronto, mm-hmm. um, based off the, their first two games in that series. But I guess that is what raises the question mark for me now is is the inconsistency yeah, of the top line. Can they stay consistent? Um, and then obviously Tampa's got firepower. If they go off, then they can always they can always make it a series. I guess I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to go Tampa with this one. Mm-hmm. Because of the inconsistency, I'll go. I'll go Tampa. But yeah. I'm not even too confident in that pick because right. I feel like there's a lot up in the air. 
Yeah, I have Tampa going to the Cup, so I'm not going to change that now. Uh, I think Tampa is is just primed. I think it's it's a great. They've had a great season. I think that they you know slowed slowed up just a touch at the end of the year, but I think they still have just a ton of firepower, a ton of depth, a ton of talent. Um, so I think. I agree. I think the inconsistency of that line, like, listen, against Toronto, Boston's top line was just, you know, like three-headed monster. Like they were on for four games and that's what they needed to win that series. If they're on, say, for three this series, now listen, if game one's any indication, if they can stay consistent, I think Boston rolls. Mm-hmm. That being said, if they, maybe they're only hot for two more games this series, then then Tampa, the Tampa will beat them. I think it's, it's really interesting. The thing I love about playoff hockey is you just see storylines emerge for every team. And for me, that's probably the biggest one is how will that line stay like how will they do as the playoffs wear on because then as consistency a lot of that comes down to you know feeling good and being healthy and you know that as playoffs go on you're very rarely are you getting healthier in the Stanley Cup playoffs as oh, you yeah, go yeah. so it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with that line mm-hmm. okay let's move over to the west here uh Vegas Sharks uh man you know going like back to my original bracket I had LA and Sharks meeting in the second round and I picked the Sharks go to the conference final I don't know how, though, I'm going to keep betting against Vegas. I haven't really been a believer uh, most of the year. I thought, okay, they're going to falter in the end of the playoffs. They just cr- – like, not well, we talked about they didn't crush them, but they still – they sweep L.A. They've won four games in a row. They went 5-0 to start the playoffs. Now they lost one in double overtime last night. Which these guys are human. They'll lose. They'll lose. They almost went They can up, lose. They can lose. They almost went up 2 nothing though, because I don't know if uh, – saw this in the first overtime – Last night, they uh, Jonathan Marshall scored, and it was called off for clear goaltender interference. But he actually did score. Yeah. And then it got you know Couture ends up ending in double overtime. But uh, I don't I don't know. Well, I'll go to you first here. I'm gonna go. I, I, I had Vegas making it to the second round only. Yes. And after this, I'm 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 all in on Vegas, baby. You're yeah, all I'm, in. I'm taking I'm taking Vegas and seven here. Vegas and I'm seven. I'm taking Vegas and seven here. I'm fired up about this Vegas team. Okay. Um, I think like as we as we keep repeating, as everybody is. Um, yeah, I'm going to take Vegas, Vegas in seven for sure. You know, I feel like I'm at a point now where the minute I go for them, they'll lose, they'll lose. Like that's, I think that I, I could almost jinx them the other way. (laughs) You know, it's, it's really tough. You know, they're a Cinderella story, but you know, clock's got to strike midnight at some point here. I'm going with the Sharks in seven. Yeah. Sticking to the guns. I'm not going to, yeah, I don't think there's, I'm not going to argue that pick too much. I think that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. I'm just, I'm just really fired up about these guys. Yeah. I mean, listen, oh, I would love, to be honest, I mean, in an ideal world, both with both my, you know, Calgary Flames, Chicago Blackhawks out, what I would love to happen more than anything is Vegas go to the cup against Pittsburgh and Mark Andre Fleury steal one against his old oh, team. Oh my God. Talk about us. It's been a Cinderella year for this team. Yeah, that would be, what that, a finish. That storyline. What a finish. That storyline would be incredible. Yeah, that would I, that, be. I haven't even really put that in perspective, really. That could happen. I mean, think about that. The fact that that could actually happen in round two, like we're at round two of the playoffs and that's still a possibility, that's pretty wild to me. I'd say definitely still a long shot, but wow, that would be. Electric, awesome. and then and then and then also you talk about the the fresh team coming in against not just like winning the cup, but also them beating like this ultra experienced oh, women's yeah. team. If if you know if this would happen, yeah, that'd be a that'd be a heck that'd, be, of a that'd be pretty that'd be pretty wild. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, finally we got Nashville, uh, Winnipeg. Which again, we kind of talked about already that if Winnipeg, you know, if they can get some, if they can keep like doing what they did, like they chased Rena. He didn't play the third yeah. in game one. If they do that, I think it's theirs. But uh, I still have Nashville. I just. That to me is the one team. Whenever I get into playoff picking, playoff brackets, I always go to. I look at teams, look at rosters, injuries, all that kind of stuff, and I say, which team do I think it'll be impossible to beat them four to seven games? Which team will not lose four games out of the seven game series they play in? For me, that's Nashville. I still have Nashville. 
pushing this, and I think it'll be a seven-game series. This, to me, is, and they've said it, it's the one and two seed in the entire league against each other. It's way too bad. It's in round two. We've talked about the setup. Yeah. It's the Stanley Cup final. Well, the conference final, because they're both in the West, where it should be the conference final. I have Nashville in seven, though. Yeah, I had Nashville in the cup here. Um, so I'm going to pick Nashville, but I, I, I think I'm only picking Nashville now because I have them already winning the cup. If the Jets get rolling... If the Jets win tonight, I think I think it puts Nashville in a, in a very if the, yeah if, the, if they win tough spot if they win if the Jets win tonight I think the Jets I think if they go up two nothing I think they win the series I think Nashville has to respond immediately. Um, well, especially when especially going up because you know I'm I'm a huge believer in you're never in trouble uh, in the playoffs till you lose on home ice. That's a cocky cliche, but I think it's very very true. And the thing is, you know, Nashville lost on home ice in Game One. Mm-hmm. With these these two are these are two incredible fan bases, Winnipeg and Nashville. Uh, you know, Winnipeg. Very like kind of old school, like the whiteout, like it's a huge kind of thing in Winnipeg and you know Canadian hockey market. Mm-hmm. Nashville, the new hot hockey market. But if you go back, if Winnipeg goes back with a two zero lead into their like having three more games left at their rink, I I, I have a tough time betting against them yeah. with that energy they're going to feed off of. Yeah, so I, I mean I'd pick the Preds, but if Jets win, yeah. win game two. Currently, there's uh, just checking here. It's there's three fifty left in the second period. It's two two right now. Okay. So, so any, anything could happen. Set enough to be interesting. I like that. Definitely. Okay, we're going to take a brief break now. We'll be right back after this. So, uh, Chad, I know you and I are both very excited for this. We're very pleased to be uh, joined by Emma Newton in here, uh, one of our classmates at Mercier. Uh, she's from Helsinki, Finland, two-time Olympian. Chad, pretty excited? Yeah, first interview, so I don't know how we got to... Pretty nervous. Yeah, it's, it's a big deal, I You're think. You're sweating uh, a little. I'm a little nervous, but I think, we're gonna, I think it's going to be all right. Hey, yeah, Emma, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Okay, so uh, first, like, tell us a little bit, like, how you kind of got started playing hockey. Like, how did you, like, when did you start? How did you kind of start playing? Um, I was four years old when I started. I started with the, with boys. Mm-hmm. I played in the boys' team till I was 16 years old. Nice. In the same boys' team, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, up until 16? Yeah. With the exact same team? Yeah. And, like, wow. most of the guys were the same, like, were same. Oh, really? I played with the same guys, it was pretty cool. So, like, I have heard that, like, for the girls, it's sometimes a big struggle to play with the boys. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was easy because I knew those guys so well. Don't, 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 don't be afraid to brag a little bit. Were you like one of the better players on the team, or, or no? <laughs> I feel like based on how her, how her I, career I know, got I know. Sent, <laughs> probably a yes. I know. Did, did any of those? Did any of the guys go on to play like? Like pro or like pro in Finland or a few of them plays in the KHL right now. Oh wow, pretty good team, I guess yeah. overall. A few of them plays in the Finnish, like the first league. Okay. And the second, second league. We have a really good team, but it sounds like it based on like yeah. that. I don't. Think... So like, so as far as like is the skill of the players, but you obviously had a good team, but like success, like you guys have a lot of success too. Yeah, like under what would I say? I'm not really sure, but yeah, we won like youth tournaments and like. Okay. So. Yeah, like you, like you, like 14s or U15s yeah. or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Gotcha. All right, and then kind of going off that, who has had the biggest impact on your hockey career? Um, my dad for sure. Like he's huge hockey fan and like. Did he kind of push you into playing hockey, or was he kind of like? 
Hey, Emma, yeah. Were you on skates at two and like he was just carrying you around? Or? <laughs> well, at first, probably, yeah. But I wanted to try every sport when I was younger. Like, I wanted to play basketball, soccer, everything. And like, he was like, if you want to do something else, you need to quit hockey. And I was like, no. Okay, so you mentioned other sports. Now, I know you played soccer growing up. You. Do you think you could have had like as great a success as you did as you do playing ice hockey, playing soccer, or, or no? Or explain about that. Well, I think that was good for me, and like, yeah, I played soccer till I was 18, so I think that was definitely a good thing for me. Like, mm, soccer needs speed, and like, Footwork it was and stuff like that. yeah, it was like different kind of practices, and I. I really liked it, and I think it was a good thing for me. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you, I remember you telling me this. Didn't you play for like a Team Finland U18 soccer team or something like that? Yeah, I played till under 20s. Okay. I, for the national team. Yeah. And then you so. had to, well, that's a, that's a quite the accomplishment. See, I'd, lo- I'd love to play like just one, just one like, you know, like <laughs> national teams work at all. Two is... And then, and so then, so then you you obviously went with the with the hockey. I mean, at, at that point, you probably decide you know which one you were going to choose and stick with the most, and that was probably then. I mean, it was obviously hockey. Yeah. How tough was that decision? Well, I was kind of forced to do that decision because mm-hmm. I I had a big injury while playing soccer. Okay. So the message from the hockey national team was like, if you don't stop playing, like. You are not in the hockey national team anymore, so. It's pretty. Uh, that's tough. Like, that's, that's not uh, it's understandable, but it wasn't fun. I really, I still love soccer. I always played with my friends. Yeah, because I see you mess around. You just make it. You make it look so easy. <laughs> yeah, it's kind. Of, it's kind of tough, right? Because they obviously like don't want to discourage you from doing what you love, but at the same time, like. I guess there's a certain point where, like, once you get to a certain age, yeah. like, they're very invested in, in yeah. your success in their sport in mm-hmm. particular. So it makes sense, I guess, on both sides. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so right now you're halfway through your NCAA career. Um, you played your first year at University of North Dakota mm-hmm. and then uh, transferred to Mercyhurst this year. But uh, kind of interesting, like, which is, I think, pretty uncommon, well, I think very uncommon in hockey. You had the transfer, not by choice, but by demand because the North Dakota cut the women's hockey team. So kind of take us through that. What was that like last year? Well, there were rumors about cutting teams, but they told that hockey is so big thing in North Dakota that we were supposed to be fine. I was actually in the uh, world championships at that time when we got caught, but I, I, uh, my teammates called me right away when they found out and they found out that our team got caught from Twitter. Wow. So it was... Probably. So they didn't even handle it in the, yeah, best, in the like, best way? Like they could have been a little bit more professional no, about that, huh? It was, oh, a little. A lot more professional. Eh? It That's was crazy. really bad. And my team was skating and the seniors weren't skating anymore. So they came to the ice and pulled up the Twitter news and like, oh, we just got caught. It was... It was just crazy. Oh that, that's crazy. Because the thing that, that's always surprising to me is, you know, like, you and I, like, Chad and I are both huge college hockey fans, and you watch, like, watch a lot of North Dakota games. That arena is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. So to think that it's only being used by one team now is yeah, is pretty crazy. Like, how, what was that arena like? It's it's unreal. That's the nicest drink where I have ever played. Like, it's just unreal. But, like... What would have made it even, like, that much? I mean, it would have been tough at any school, but I think, like, coming from somewhere like there would have been... 
Yeah. Probably, yeah, top-notch facilities and everything like that, too. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, um, like, I've heard from, like, I've heard about pros talk about, like, Oshi Taves, Prize, who have played there, uh, like, for the men's teams. They've said it's nicer than, like, the majority of NHL facilities, which is pretty crazy to think about when you, like, kind of break it down, so... Yeah, that must have been crazy, but uh, you were lucky to transfer to Mercyhurst with a, with a couple teammates, mm-hmm. and that must have been pretty helpful. Yeah. Yeah, coming here alone would have been... One, one, one from back home, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, which I'm sure made the transition. Yeah, you know. me and my fellow Finnish friend, Vilma, we wanted to uh, transfer together, so... That was always the plan? Yeah, like as soon as we, we got caught and we started to search a new school mm-hmm. are like the most important thing for us was to that we could stay together so that was that was essentially after you guys got cut kind of goal number one was to find a team where you guys were going to both go to right mm-hmm. okay so yeah. i was kind of curious about that whole process when obviously you know everyone like who's involved with hockey would hear about that did did school start to like approach you guys right away or was it more you guys had to look i mean i'm assuming because they have their own recruits coming in did you guys have to reach out a little more did they come to you guys well some of the schools emailed players directly which was like at the same night we got caught so that's pretty tough yeah like our coach wasn't really happy about that but like our coach is the the, the head coach of the our women's team mm-hmm. in here Mercyhurst he emailed our coaches and like he was so respectful so we all, we got good vibes like from the beginning about Mercyhurst and that was a big thing right that's good no I mean that's pretty crucial like that's if you that you, initial you, feeling that yeah if he goes about it the right way then that's yeah. that's what you and want and like the first questions weren't like oh like can we have your players? It was like, uh, I hope you're doing fine. Let, let me know if you need anything, like any help with your families or like, do you know, like just being a good person, like in you know, hard times because they lost their jobs and like our coaches in North Dakota and like. So the head coach here at Mercer was a big reason and why it was, a, it was a relatively smooth transition here. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. That's good. It makes, it's a tough situation, a lot easier. For sure. Yeah. And uh, how would you describe your first year? I know you guys had some some success winning the CHA championship. I believe you were a pretty prominent player in that. I th- you were at you were at those games, yeah, Chad. We were, back, we were back home in Buffalo for me, so it was nice to be able to see. We were on break too, so it was nice to see uh, you know fellow Mercyhurst Slikers out here winning championships in Buffalo. <laughs> so yeah, how was your first year overall at Mercyhurst? Uh, it was way better than my freshman year in North Dakota. Oh, like, wow. I mean. My English is still not perfect, but it's way better than last year. It's good. Like, I'm more comfortable. And, well, our, our season here, it didn't start very well, but we were able to, like, get better and trust the process. And mm-hmm. we got a good result. That's good. Yeah, I mean, it's always nice to finish strong. And I mean, yeah. like, CHA is a pretty big deal yeah. for you guys, obviously. So to win it was yeah. awesome, pretty big. And when it comes to playoffs, like... It, it doesn't matter at all what happened like in the first game like when the season started it, it's just like all that's said and done I mean the playoffs it's yeah. a whole new season and that's what everyone says right and that, that makes yeah. a ton of sense so now you had to take a little bit of a break from your, your, your first mercy season to go play in the Olympics um, so coming back did you have like did you feel faster out there playing against college opponents did you feel more confident with the puck did you you know anything like that well, yeah, I had really good games after I came back from the Olympics, but yeah, the speed was a little higher, like in the national team games. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was like 
made it easier coming back. Yeah, like yeah, you would you would have felt quicker. Like even that extra step, you would have probably felt right. Yeah, like yeah, I would say like that. Yeah. Because we uh, because I mean, even in the I forgot which game it was in the. In the playoffs, you had a highlight reel goal where you kind of put it through a girl's legs, and then you essentially <laughs> that, was, that was all over the first Instagram. I was that was gorgeous. You essentially beat the goalie and the defenseman with, with one move, which which you were making it look easy. So it looks like the confidence was was pretty high after the Olympics. But yeah, yeah and just kind of going off that, I mean, that's the thing like you said to you before uh, we sat down here. Like that's for me, like the most impressive thing. Like 21 years old, same age as me, not won two Olympics. I think going to the Olympics in general, like Chad and I talked about this before. Is super impressive at any age. Then to go to it once, but then to do it twice at this young age. So like, kind of how did that? That I don't know. I don't want to say that. That's crazy. So how was? Uh, how are those experiences? Like like obviously there's similarities. How are they kind of different? Stuff like that. Was it overwhelming? Being in the Olympics because you were 17 the first time yeah. you went. So how was that compared to this time in a way? It was big surprise that I made the team and like. At, in Sochi. Yeah. Right. But we didn't have that good team back in 2014 mm-hmm. so it was big surprise that I was in the team and uh, it was just so overwhelming like you said and like I was more excited to be there than like I wasn't ready to like play my best hockey if yeah, you know right, what I mean right. it was just like, yeah. such a shock right? yeah mm-hmm. like so did the women on the team help you out, being so young, like giving you advice, making you know guidance? Yeah, and stuff kind like of. That? But like, it's something that you need to experience yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was my first year with the women's national team, like under U eighteen. So it was like new players. I I didn't know those players that well, and like. I guess I never even thought of that aspect of it too. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, big. Now in 2018, like I knew everyone and like I had good friends. I mean, I have good friends in that team and mm-hmm. like it was just, I felt like I was more ready to like be a good hockey player. Yeah, yeah to, to compete and contribute yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, right. seeing you, because I mean, you know, I got a couple of good friends back here and <laughs> one, one being uh, one being Naida and we, we sat down and watched most of your games and at first it seemed like you were a little... It seemed like you were a little tense, but then like quickly, I think even literally like in the first or second period of of mm-hmm. that first game that you played, it looked like you were you know loosening up and, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's good. It's good that the second time around, you know, it was a little bit a little bit easier for you. Right. Yeah. And, and from 2014 to 2018, in those years, I'm assuming you played with that women's national team in in other tournaments as well. Yeah. So, so that yeah. would have helped the chemistry for sure. Yeah. Um. We had three world championships like between mm-hmm. I I missed one one tournament because I was injured okay but like basically I've been with the national team since two, since 2014 so now it's now it's like more comfortable for me right and how did the two uh if you can like i'm sure they were obviously very different but how do they like the two uh olympics compare so sochi in 2014 then pyeongchang in 2018 like were the olympic villages this like a little like obviously a little different the culture was it did you have like a did you, one you preferred in terms of like where you were kind of thing well it was pretty similar like in Sochi, um, we were using bikes a lot because oh, like, yeah. everything was more far away. Right. The village was way bigger, but in South Korea, it was really small village. So like, mm-hmm. it was all there together and like, but 
other than that it was like pretty similar and like rings were actually those looked like the same and really yeah that's awesome so the facilities are both are yeah. Really nice. yeah that's pretty cool um mm -hmm. and then this year like winning winning a bronze medal for finland that must just keeps getting cooler as you, as you talk about <laughs> yeah. it talking about, talking about the olympic villages here it's like just a whirlwind but how, like kind of if you can i'm sure it must be tough like kind of can you try to put that into words like how like what that was like winning a medal for finland it was so unreal like the disappointment in 2014 was so big we we were fifth so <laughs> we didn't basically win anything so getting a medal from there it was just unreal i'm sure it sparked sparked some hunger you guys are yeah like, like us and canada are dominating women's hockey mm -hmm. but like i feel like european teams are getting closer every year and maybe someday we will get the cold gold yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i think you're seeing continued growth now like there's not i remember even going back to like 2002 when i like remember for like watching like the olympics in salt lake city it was no one was even close and now you have some teams that you know they can, they can stand the same ice as the canadian and the americans it's like they're still usually the gold medal game but mm -hmm. i think you're starting like seeing that like in, in countries like yours so yeah. that's it's pretty crazy like it's a huge opportunity for us and like it's exciting because it's not it's not impossible anymore right like last year in worlds we actually we beat canada there so it was kind oh, wow. of a big deal that's huge yeah yeah it shows that like we are getting closer every year right and what's it like playing like those those powerhouse teams like canada and the u.s it just must be pretty crazy yeah like um they are really fast so and, do you, and are you familiar with a lot of the girls on those teams as well? Yeah, I know like few of them. Few of them, basic, uh, our coach from North Dakota, mm -hmm. our strength and conditioning coach, and her sister was our goalie coach, Monique and Jocelyn Lamarux. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. play for the U.S. team, and it was kind of crazy to play against them. Well, so they were your strength and conditioning coaches back in in North Dakota. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that was the... They were coaching us, like, during my freshman year. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because they had just finished up there? Were they... Um, they were... Or a couple years out? Yeah. They're alumni, but... Uh, yeah. So that's interesting to play against well, old, old coaches. And, and Lamoureux is, like... I think it was... I believe it was Jocelyn, if I'm not, like, uh, mistaken, that she scores that shootout goal against Canada in the gold medal game. That was... Beautiful. Filthy. Yeah, that was just filthy. Goal. Yeah. That was... That's pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, they are great athletes. It was like, I saw how they train in North Dakota mm -hmm. and like, they are really great athletes. Like role, mo like role models, yeah. something, something to yeah. look up to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, and that makes sense, especially with their, you know, their Olympic success and stuff like mm -hmm. that too, it'd be, be big. Um, so speaking of role models. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you are a role model to, to younger girls in playing <laughs> hockey. So like, what, what advice would you have for, for younger girls getting into hockey? I would say that uh, if you want to achieve something, you need to work really hard and like you have to believe in yourself. That's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And like work for work, like to achieve your dreams, like 
don't be afraid to play with the boys when you're younger. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, it sounds like that. I mean, that's pretty crazy to think about. Like, you know, I've, I have a couple, like being from Canada, I have a couple friends who their sisters played to a certain point, but they usually always wrapped up around like 12 or so. I have one friend that was one girl I know actually school. She's still playing with the boys. I think she's 17. She's like still playing, still going. She's getting recruited by like D1 schools now because she's pretty good. But mm-hmm. typically you don't see it till that age. So I think that obviously must have benefited a lot. Yeah. Like I was really lucky that I had, I was able to play with like, with that group of the guys, like, I'm still friends with those guys, and it's just... That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's good to know. All right, a couple... Uh, couple qu- rapid-fire questions quick, here. Light, real light questions. All right. Favorite food in America? Okay, we'll say North. So, favorite food you like here? There's some good Canadian food, too, okay? So, so you North could, American You could argue food, both, yeah. man. North American food. Hamburgers. Hamburgers. That's a, that's a, good, that's a good call. That's an American staple. I feel like there's some good Canadian burgers. And desserts. Too. All desserts? the cakes. Way better than in Finland. Oh, I think I remember you bringing that up to me before. <laughs> the cakes. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I mean, there's some pretty good desserts when you look back. You got you got brownies, you got cookies and stuff, and then cakes. There's... So, so you're saying the cake here in North America is better than back home? Way better. Finland's got to step up their cake game, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, just, just, weak, just weak stuff over there. So favorite, favorite NHL team? Wild. Minnesota Wild. Minnesota Wild. Is, is there a reason for that or? Yeah, my favorite player plays there. Who's that? Mikael Kranlund. I don't know how you just, how Yeah, you no, say that's it. him. Granlund. Yeah, yeah. He's he scored the uh the goal in the Olympic was it the Olympics of the Worlds where he picked it up to the lacrosse mm-hmm. style? That it was a stamp. Oh, was yeah, it, it was yeah. a stamp in Finland or something? I don't yeah. know if that's Yeah, right. it was. It was. It, it was. was. Okay, there yeah. we go. Um okay, another quick one. Uh favorite movie. Or one of your favorites. I know that's all that kind of always changes for yeah. me too. All the scary movies. Oh, scary movie fan. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I'm not a horror guy. I, me I'm either. Not me a, either. Not a horror I, can't, film. I can't sit still and relax watching a scary movie. I don't know. It bothers me. <laughs> it's yeah. It's not good. I'm uh, another one. Uh, favorite music. Like, who's your favorite artist or, or even genre that you listen to? Like, I love Finnish rap. It's so good. It's so good. So, so favorite genre is Finnish rap. Yeah. I feel like we have to we have to look this up. Yeah, we can mm-hmm. we'll, yeah, look up a couple of songs here. That's we have to play a little outro one time. For that. That's <laughs> that's pretty incredible. Um, you got any more quick fire ones? I think I'm I think I'm set on the questions. Okay, I'm good too. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm mean, thank you very much. It's been it's been great having you on, and thank you for this experimental phase of interviewing with us. So we, it was a it was well, a pleasure. Hope it wasn't too bad for you. That's, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, thanks for having me. No Absolutely. Problem. Aikansa kovin tähtiin tarina kirjoitettu jo aikanaan oli tähti liiga ja rähinä luottu aina vaan omi jätkiin. Vaitatkaa toki ja lainatkaa kovi läppi, jos haluatte koita voittaa laittakaa vuosi tähkiin. We're back. Okay, so a uh, bit of a debate question for you here. Uh, you know, the draft lottery was last night, the Buffalo Sabres. First overall. Got a little bit of luck. Got a, a little I, bit I, of I, luck. I, I mean, we've been so bad for so long, I guess maybe we just kind of deserved it, but... All in for a doll in. You yeah, know? Yeah, that's yeah, what they're saying. Of, got a little bit of a rhyme to it anyway. Um, I think it's it's pretty neat for you, as I'm sure, you, like as you've already thought about, what's pretty neat for me, f- for you, as, uh, as my, my friend here, is that it's cool that, uh, well, not cool, I guess, in a way, but it's pretty consensus that Dall- Dallin's the number one pick. It's a pretty important year to get that one and not fall to two or three. Mm-hmm. You know, or unfortunately, like for Ottawa, they, Ottawa and Arizona both fell out of the top three or four and five. Um, so, yeah, how, how excited are you about that? That is, I was ecstatic yesterday night when I found when I found good. that out. That's good. Energy was very high when I found that out. Yeah, um, juice. And yeah, we uh, I, I call the Sabers we. I'm sorry, that's just a habit. Um, 
So yeah, we finally finally passionate get, fan. That's okay. Finally get a first overall pick. I think the Sabres have only ever had two. Okay. And that was in 1970 with Gilbert Pro, and then 1987 with uh, Pierre Turgeon. And mediocre. <laughs> Never heard of him. <laughs> yeah. Never heard of and him. I, uh, pretty um, pretty good. But yeah, I think it was just it was just about time we've been we, we've been bad. At so you say that it was Pro and Turgeon? That's pretty good for. Geez, that's good. I mean, yeah. I mean, I wish it was. I mean, I mean, heck, Edmonton had like. <laughs> Twelve seemed, seemed in a like, row. Yeah, yeah. Seemed like they've had every first round pick ever, but yeah, or first overall pick ever. But yeah, I mean the Sabers kind of had decent luck, uh, I guess in the past two, um, number two picks with Reinhardt and and Eichel. Uh, Reinhardt didn't really pan out exactly how we wanted to. He's still he's still, still a roster still, player, which is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still still young, but I mean, I mean he didn't necessarily live up to the number two hype yet. Um, and then Eichel is, I think, a pretty. Pretty known franchise player. Yeah, absolutely. He'll be the face. He'll be the face of the franchise. He got a lot of money this year. Um, I think it's it's absolutely huge that we finally get a first overall pick, um, especially with such a clear cut, as you said, a clear cut first overall pick, um, and with a with a weak defensive core in Buffalo, I think that will be a very good compliment to to Risto Linen. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. It's funny you bring that up. I was just going to say I'm very excited to see. Uh, and wait, you know, I don't know if they'll pair them together right away. I would hope at some point you see. Pretty deadly pairing of uh, Delin and Ristolainen yeah. together. That's mm-hmm. right-handed, left-handed shot, more of like a skilled skater versus. Well, they're both great skaters, but like you know, Dallin's known for a big skating ability, and uh, Ristolainen's a powerhouse. He can hit, he can shoot. So two of them, you know, on a, on a power play, just five on five. Lots of creativity, a lot of different looks than than most teams I feel like would be used to seeing two, you know, highly skilled. And, you know they play with the European style, too highly skilled. Euro I guess defense, you could yeah. say, fl- I guess you could say, flashy. Oh, style definitely, of play, flash, especially yeah. especially for uh, for defensemen. So I for think sure. it's gonna be a very very good compliment. Obviously, he's gonna be, I think, just an absolutely phenomenal hockey player. That's huge. And then uh, you know, NFL draft was also just this uh, past couple days. Baker Mayfield at number one, which surprised some people. Uh, yep. I was a little surprised by it. I, 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 I don't know what Cleveland's got up their sleeve. You, you don't there. like I, it? I didn't like it at all. That for them. Well, the interesting part for me was that a lot of people mentioned, and you know, I think it's pretty. Uh, we don't know if it's fully accurate. They must have had some. I'm assuming that they must have had some intel that Mayfield was not going to be there at four. But they had the first and the fourth overall pick, and a lot of people made the point, which I agree with. You could have taken Saquon Barkley, yeah, and yeah. then taken one. You would have had a pretty good like deep quarterback. It was a deep quarterback draft. They just must have thought really heavy on, on Baker. That, that that was their guy that I feel like they wanted, right? Because like as you said, they could have had a really good quarterback and Barkley, yeah. And then you yeah. have then I mean you already add that to not to get too into football here. It's, it is a hockey podcast, yeah, yeah. but no, you have two. You know you have Gordon and Landry as wide receivers. You pick up a good quarterback plus Barkley in the backfield. You know, but that's that's Cleveland. Uh, the Cleveland Browns for and you. And they pass up on. Chubb, a game changer on the defensive end they, for, they, for, for a corner. They missed out a lot of stuff. I mean, maybe this is just me, but Cleveland, what, what are you guys? What are you guys doing? What, over what's there? going on? What over are you there? guys doing over there? Uh, but you know what? No, Mayfield. You know, uh, you know, a lot of people. There's, I think there's a lot of unfair comparisons to to Johnny Manziel there. Um, I shouldn't say unfair. I mean, you know, he's got some similar qualities, but I think that if anything, he's going to learn from what that guy did and pretty much what not yeah. to do. Uh, but yeah, big a big week for Buffalo. You know, they get uh, pretty much get Delin or Delin. They're going to take him at one. If they don't, well, then they're worse than Cleveland at drafting. <laughs> uh, but uh, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, uh, the quarterback out of Wyoming at number at number seven. How do you how do you feel with that? Um, I wasn't I wasn't fired up about it. I mean, we didn't. I think what, I think he could blossom into a pretty good no, pro. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But my biggest thing, which is why I don't hate it, is we didn't you know trade away a whole bunch of picks just to move up to get him. Um, right, right. I think he's going to be. Uh, I think he could be a decent quarterback. His stats were qu- questionable in, in a weak conference. I think he only had like 17 touchdown passes mm. in the in like the Mountain West, where the heck they're in. I think he had one game where he threw for over 300 yards. And college football is supposed to be like 
video game numbers. Just put like dominant, right, right. dominant quarterbacks are supposed to put up yeah. you know, huge numbers. Um, but, you, but you wonder, you know, uh, sort of like big, tall, like uh, pocket passer. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? But, Anyways, we're a little off the rails here with uh, football. Back, but we'll you know what's good? <laughs> we're big sports keeping, guys. Keeping it fresh. Huge, <laughs> huge sports guys. Um, but you know, I want to go back to the draft here. Uh, I've, you know, obviously we listen to a, ho- a lot of hockey media, read a lot of hockey articles, stuff like that, and well, just for fun and preparation for the podcast. Um, I had an interesting question because I've been hearing this a lot with the talk of the draft lottery, like this past week, is at the draft you are. We'll talk about it from a couple of perspectives, but at the draft, if you're GM, are you picking the best available player, or are you picking specifically for your desired position? Because I've heard the argument on both sides, and I'm very interested in it. I guess. So if it's a generational player, like someone, obviously like a McDavid or something like that, you you, you take the, obviously the best player. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you would take the best player more times than not, but I guess there's a very few. Say you say you you know you're desperate for a goal, you're desperate for you right. know, a big time center or something, and and there's someone else better on the on the board, but you're desperate for um, yeah, you know, a certain position. You might pick him up. Then yeah, you might. I would say more more often than not, you take take the rock take talent. the big, the best overall player. See, it's funny. I, I've heard both sides to it, and um, you know, obviously, like there's a, there's a point to be said. Like you pay, you take the best player because it's the best asset, even if you may not need him. Say, for example, the thing I brought up to you earlier is say if Nashville by trade by way of trade had the first overall pick, and they're so deep at D that they take that one. Now I think at the start, especially with this guy, you do, and you know. So there's debate about that. The other side of it is that, you know, you're trying to build from the net out, from centermen, all that kind of stuff. You take the best centermen, the best defenseman, whatever, based on what you need. I have kind of a bit of a hybrid theory on that that I want to run by you. Mm-hmm. I think that how, if I was a GM, how I would run it is, you you take you start the earlier you draft the more you lean towards taking the best player available. And as you get further down the draft, even further in the first round and then in the subsequent That's rounds, you, get situational. you take situational. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. Obviously, at the ver- at, like within the top five, top ten, but mainly, let's just even call it like top three to five, those are like where you have some guys who can be like your top two defensemen, top, one, like top centermen, all that kind of stuff. So that's where you take the best asset. But like to your point about if you need a goalie, and you're, t- you're picking 21st, and there's a great defenseman, but there's also a very strong goalie, mm-hmm. that's where I get into a bit of debate. Of, for example, if, so Nashville finishes, you know, they, they win the cup, finish 31, they finish 29, whatever, wherever they finish, somewhere high up, or they finish 23, whatever it may be. If the best, next, best three players are defensemen, and then the fourth guy's a forward, I think you probably take a forward. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think you made a really good point, is the farther you go on in the draft, that's when you get... You know, you start really, you know, making some 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 tougher decisions, and yeah, right off the bat, I think you just basically take, especially when we're talking number one overall. Yeah, one one, I think it's very tough um, to not. I think you've seen a couple teams make some misses on that. Like the big one that I always think of, and listen, he just became a pretty big bust, but was uh, when the Oilers took Nail Yakupov at one, mm-hmm. and Ryan Murray went second, and he's become a pretty good perennial like top four defenseman for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, and I actually thought they really need, like, I mean, they still are struggling with defensive depth mm-hmm. now, even after dry settle McDavid, and because they've always taken forwards. That's a team that, now, obviously, they don't know it at the time, but you have so many first first overall picks and or very high picks, you, you got to think, like, what are you doing at a certain point? Let, let's just take a defenseman here. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, anyways, yeah, to wrap up the podcast here, we have a couple of uh, a couple pretty big announcements that we're excited about. I'd say, I'd say. Um, so do you want to talk first about the social media? So we are going to be, well, I should have had this done, but we are going to be getting uh, social media out, Twitter, 
and Instagram. And that'll be released with this episode. Yeah, yeah. And then we're also trying to figure out, um, you know, just ways to market ourselves to you guys, to you guys as the listeners, um, basically the best way possible. So, yeah, we're basically going to have some social media pretty soon. Yeah, we're going to do that. We're also going to be having a, a fan... Uh, question email you can send questions into you know we obviously want to interact with everyone who listens we, we appreciate every single person that listens it's uh you know pretty pretty cool for us i think to see people viewing it and see the numbers of people that are listening to it so it's really appreciated for having an email uh, as well we're going to be working on and we've you know we've been saying this but we we're going to nail it down the next couple weeks here's expansion to other for, uh you know other outlets spotify uh itunes with apple music stuff like that we've looked into it a little bit and we think we can get that done pretty quickly uh, definitely get that done uh, finally, I think probably the biggest, I'd say it is the biggest uh, announcement is we're actually, uh, you know, we're stepping up a little bit our game here. We're uh, mm -hmm. professional podcasters here now. <laughs> uh, we're going to be adding uh, a sound engineer, a sound editor, as well as, uh, you know, who the guy is going to be uh, a common uh, third part of the podcast. And that's Peter Weisgerber. Uh, Pete is a good friend of mine, and I reached out to him and asked him if he would like to, you know, come in and do some sound editing for us as he's edited for a previous podcast before. Um, as well, he runs uh, a great um, videography uh, and photography company, Wisegerber Productions. Uh, my roommate is his brother, Tim, and the two of them do a lot of great things. Uh, they shoot a lot of weddings in the summers, and they're both from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, so check him out, uh, Wisegerber Productions. We'll leave a link in uh, the description of this episode for him as well. Uh, really excited about Pete coming on. Yeah, that's actually that's, that's awesome. Um, that's one last thing we have to worry about. And then to also know that it's going to be done right, it's going to be done efficiently and professionally. Um, yeah, professionally, effectively. It's, it's just great to have to have Pete helping us out here. So we, we appreciate that very much, Pete. Yeah, and he's going to be on uh, for episode four. Get to know a little bit more about him. He's going to participate in a lot of our debate topics as he's a, he's a big hockey fan. Um, so anyways, yeah, thanks again to Pete. Uh, anything else? Well, the tank for for Dallin was uh, was a success, and uh, maybe it'll help us get out of the basement and uh, go Sabers. Go Sabers! What a finish. <laughs> All right, uh, thanks to everyone who listened. Uh, we're going to be back here uh, at the end of round two uh, doing some conference finals predictions and uh, talking about everything for the future. So, again, as always, thanks for listening.